0: Hey, welcome to Educate for Life with Ryan Francis. Let's get right into it. But I think that since we're already kind of in the depths of this, uh-huh. I, I think um, to to this idea of well, okay. as we kind of perceive ourselves in the world, I think that determines so much about how we tackle new things, don't tackle new things. um, When something, a change is thrust upon us over which we have no control. Um, Notice my phrasing was intentionally, you know, level one, level two, victim bound there. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) Yeah. how we respond because as, as we were kind of talking about having this conversation and we we're talking about like, what is a transition? Right. Ironically, as we transition,
1: as <laughs> um, <laughs> we make a segue, as we segue, <laughs>
0: um, I wonder like, so first of all, what is a transition? Okay. Um,
1: uh, my, my, my view of a transition is, a uh, um, it's a change in paradigm, whether, you know, brought on by outside circumstances or by a choice. Okay. But they kind of play with one another. I mean, outside situations bring on choices. Right. And so, and we're always in that, that flux of that. Um, so, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a change from one, one you know, you, 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 it's when you witness, you actually have to witness that you're in a change from one state of being, one paradigm, mm. to another one, okay? And, and, but you don't really necessarily know what the new paradigm is going to be. So transition, I think, is fraught with uncertainty and fright and fear and all, all, that, all that, you know, other stuff. Mm. Um, you know, I mean, we, I mean, things we get bombarded with things happening all the time. You know, every day, every instant, there's something new going on, and it's like, okay, um, got to make a choice. You know, but what's that choice going to lead, lead me to? Okay, this is a, now. This gets back, goes ahead into the decision making thing. Sure. Uh, I just think that a transition is any time that you find that there's, you know, I think you can put a little more. How would you say gravity to it? It's it's a major it's a major shift in paradigm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, could be you know brought on by death. You know, a split up in a relationship. Uh, you know, any kind of career change, any kind of life change. You know, these are all all transitions. You know, um, you know, one of my transitions that I remember and and I wrestled with and finally came to peace with was, you know, being a father. You know, of a, of a, of a you know, a, a, an infant and young child and adolescent, whatever, you know, as a caretaker, you know, protector, provider to, oh, this person's an adult now. They want to be an adult. I got to let go, you know, and that mm-hmm. was, that was a hard, that was a hard transition for me. It came rather instantly, though. <sighs> I, I just finally just, you know, I was fighting and fighting and fighting it. Fighting it. And he was fighting my son. He was fighting, fighting, fighting me. And I just finally
0: said, you know what? It's gone. Mm, do what you're going to do. Mm. So it's interesting to me in the way you just described transition is it sounds so much to me like uh, what I, I believe it's in sociology they use the term liminal experience, where just for those who aren't familiar, the limen is the threshold, right? So like mm-hmm. when you talk about subliminal Right. messages are messages below the threshold of our conscious thought right so a liminal experience is one where we are crossing a threshold into a new area where things inherently are going to change and while we're in that zone that lemon is when things are getting shaken up uh-huh. right so for example um recovery from my depression was a significant liminal experience in my life where my sense of reality had been smashed to pieces and um, my awareness of who I was dramatically shifted. And I spent a fair amount of time re-examining things that I had not examined in a very long time or had never examined or had assumed about myself and my role in the world and the world itself, et cetera, et cetera. I kind of reconstructed that. So when you're talking about transition, it seems like you're distinguishing it from change. So like right. you could change jobs in the same career, right? expecting something more in your life to change, but nothing in your life really changes. So did you really have a transition? And, and just in the context of this conversation, right? Because right. of course they're synonyms, but for the sake of this conversation, when we talk about transition, we mean something where there is a significant enough change to produce um and some some type of emotional shift yeah.
1: well i mean you know my history uh, just to some degree i don't know how much you remember but you know in 2011 okay uh, i had been i had been in the, the mortgage business for 10 years at that point and i'd done quite well for a while and then the 2008 tobacco occurred and i watched my income go go to shit right um and i basically lost everything you know lost the home you know lost a lot of money you know i mean i felt really i was really mad at myself it's like you know hey i'm a mortgage guy i should know this shit you know and i did everything by the rules i thought i had whatever but then you don't have any income you know things things tend to go away and uh you know i didn't feel i was getting enough support from you know, my wife at that time. And so our marriage was suffering, you know, it's kind of like, you know, finances are always the final blow to a bad relationship. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Statistically hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah.
1: And, uh, so we were, we were going to, we we're in the middle of, you know, we decided, uh, you know, on the advice of an attorney, we did a bankruptcy, which was really a godsend. I mean, that Saved a lot, you know. And mm-hmm. It cleared up a lot of, you know, side messes too. Uh, and then, in the course of that, we were also going to give up the house. So, and then, because you know, we just decided, okay, marriage is really done. Or I decided, you know, she'd always told me every fight, we got it. I'm, I'm leaving. I'm out of here. Right. It's like, all right, fine. I said, you know, I told her, you're going to say this one time, and I'm going to, I'm going to take you up on it. So I finally did, and. um, so we're waiting for the house. We're waiting for the house. Now my 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 career life, my business life was, you know, in turmoil. Uh, you know, it was the mortgage business was agonizing at that point. My marriage was agonizing at that point. We're gonna give up the house that was agonizing on this point at that point. Ten days before the house was to go, you know, on the auction block, you know, and we had to be out. My mother died in her sleep. So all this stuff, all this stuff hit me, hit me at once. You know, boom, 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 boom. And following that, then I lost my job, which when they came and fired me, I said, thank you. I was, that was like a relief. It was like, thank you. That's one less piece of this bullshit I got to deal with. Mm. And, um, uh, God, I mean, It just, you know, it just, this was all in a six-week period of time. And then, and then I had, I was in charge of, you know, the family estate. I had two sisters that don't really get along. And so I'm in between that. It was just rough, you know, Mm. and and, then, you know, whatever happened, um, you know, forced me to, you know, right then I started, you know, I'm in a lot of transition, right? right? And, uh, it forced me to start looking at my life and, and my life differently or what, 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 what can I do, whatever. And it was a lot of stress. And eventually, you know, it, 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 it kind of manifested itself in health issues. So hmm. at that point when I was, you know, I was hospitalized, I was, you know, I, I just, it was really weird. I was in some kind of a drug haze, you know, cause I was in a lot of pain and, um, I kept hearing this voice saying "serve, serve, 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 serve," mm. and I didn't know what that meant. You know, for for a while, I just kind of, you know, I just kind of remembered it was there. And that was one of the that was that was really kind of one of the impetus impetus, I guess, uh, for <laughs> for choosing to go to you know to go to IPEC to go to to, to learn to be a coach. Yeah, I thought that was. You know, I've always been the kind of person where people come to and just talk and tell me everything. I do a lot of listening, you know, and, um, and and you know what I discovered there too was you know I've got this intuitive sense about me that you know that I have never that I had never really acknowledged, explored, even for that matter, we was even aware of it, you know. And uh, so yeah, that that was a that was a that was a that was a whole limit <laughs> that, was a, yeah. that was a long lemon for me, and it, I'm still in. it I'm still in it. You know, I, I, it hasn't really changed. Um, you know, I'm now I'm at another point where uh, we're about ready to sell the, the final asset from the family businesses, the trust, if you will, and uh, and that's it. You know, that's the last of it. Uh, we got a little, some little other things, minor things that you know, should be easily taken care of, but this is a major one. It's kind of like, huh, after this, you know, I'm not going to have this income from these income properties anymore. Not that it was, you know, not it's a great amount of income, but it's still some income. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and I'm at that age where, you know, Hey, I'm going to be 63 years old in a couple months. You know, am I retiring? Am I, am I, you know, what, if, you know, I don't want to retire. I, fuck that. You know, I'm, I'm I don't, I, you know, and so, but it's like, okay, so, okay, here we're going into this unknown, this unknown point here. You know, I'm at this threshold of un- unknowingness again. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah. So, I mean, I find myself in transition a lot. I mean,
0: yeah, that's part of why I wanted to have this conversation because you have such perspective having had, as you say, so many transitions. And I think it's important for people to understand that transitions don't necessarily have clear barriers you might be living your life living your life and then realized oh my god two months ago I started a transition right mm-hmm. Or oh look I'm now operating with three transitions simultaneously or what have you sometimes transitions are years sometimes transitions right. are days sometimes transitions are seconds it just kind of depends on the nature of the change being experienced just like talking about grief Right. Now grief is a is a transitional, it's a liminal experience and some people it's decades.
1: Yeah, so I, I think decades. I think I'm still in grief. Yeah, I'm in grief for um certainly over the loss of my both of my parents with you know in the last ten years. Um uh, and, and I think that my sisters and I are are all still in grief. And I don't think one of them would even like caught in the notion at all about getting some counseling or coaching or whatever together on this, because I think the grief has manifested itself in in us in different ways. But yet they're like this, this sale for me, it's bringing on grief Mm -hmm. because it's like a finality. It's, it's the last piece of my parents that's actually going away now. Uh-huh. And, and, and for me, each time we've let go of a piece of this, this fortune that they built up, it's, it's like another death. It's like I'm reliving their death again. And I've been feeling it. There's sadness about me. And I just have to be aware of that. And I've been reaching out here in the spiritual sense, mystic sense, if you will, (laughs) Uh to them, and just asking them for guidance in this, Um, because this is, to me, it's a visceral connection to them.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's, it's, I'm just processing the weight of that, Mm. and imagining what that grief would do to multiple areas of someone's life. Hey, y'all just want to take a quick break in the action. Let you know that if you're enjoying what you're listening to, please do recommend it to a friend. I would love to expand my audience and the best ways to do that are word of mouth and reviewing my podcast on the iTunes Apple podcast platform. If you'd like to leave me a voice comment, go over to anchor.fm slash educate for life. Anchor.fm slash educate the number four life. It might even end up in the show. For more information about what I'm up to, please check out my website, www.educatefor.life. That's educate the number four dot life. Now, back to the show. And it's also making me wonder again about... Framing, mm-hmm. yeah, because I think it's so easy for I mentioned level one, level two, and I realize I don't think I've interviewed any IPEC people uh, from my podcast before. So just real quick, <laughs> so people understand the esoteric right uh, notion we're talking about here. Um, sure. So the levels of energy, right? are essentially broken up into, well, seven, but realistically, I suppose, six for common everyday life. But level one and two are very self, very internally egoically focused. So level one is kind of a passive receiver of experience. It tends to be called a victim role. Uh, Level two tends to be a reacting strongly outwardly to experience. Um, So that could be anger, frustration, et cetera. And then as we move into level three, it's kind of transitional. And that is negotiating. That's now uh, mediating the world, uh, mitigating ills, um, increasing the chance of um, winning, having positive experiences. But there's still a lot of winning and losing that's happening at that level where it is transactional. A lot of life is transactional. And then a level four, we start to move into compassion. So this is a lot of where people move into service. Uh, it's also where a lot of people uh, give too much of themselves and burn out and then fall back into level one or level two in reaction to overgiving. And uh, yeah. <laughs> as Paul is saying, me, me, that's me. Um, which was me for a long time. Um, when I Just before I went into my depression. And then, frankly, partly coming out of my depression, it's just I shifted from falling back to a level one, which was most of my life. my my fall My fallback. Well, let's let's finish the sure, sure. Let's finish the levels, and then we can check in about some of that, and then talk about how that relates to transitions. So, uh, level five tends to be, and this is one I'm exploring myself, so I may give a really crappy explanation. So feel free to jump in and correct or alter or whatever, but. Level five tends to be a little more uh, aloof to situations as most people experience them. There's a little more of seeing everything as an opportunity, the challenges are opportunities for growth. Um, there's less of this issue of overgiving because there's really no such thing as overgiving because you just kind of give or you don't give, you do or you don't do. Um, there's a little less attachment to the results of things. Uh, and then level six is more of this creative space where really there's no such thing as winning or losing. There's just a lot more like, how can I play with this? What's, what's happening right now? And how can I interact with it? Level seven, we get into the whole like spiritual. <laughs> the, God, the Godhead.
1: The Godhead. You know, yeah. um,
0: yeah. We're, we're in a whole new, new, we're on a whole new level. We started talking about that kind of stuff, but, um, would you add or change anything about my description of those? Uh,
1: no, I think that's a very good summation. I think, uh, at level five, uh, you're really starting to play in the intuitive realm, mm-hmm. uh, that you're, you're, you're allowing your, your, your intuition to, to, uh, guide you and, and, uh, Shape your decisions by intuition. You know, trust in that, um, and then level six is uh, you know it's a very creative space. It's a very creative. You, you know, you're constantly creating. You're on a, you're on a, a juggernaut of creativity, if you will. And, Yeah, uh, yeah I think I think that uh, that's it's, that's a really good uh, summation of, of of the different you know core energy principles there. Thanks. I think too, I think it's interesting too because if you recall, they gave us kind of like these, there's a positive nodule and then there's the shadow yeah. nodule, you know. Mm-hmm. And what we were talking about level four before, and I, and this is the way I've always looked at it, it's like you give, 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 and then all of a sudden you realize you're not getting, you're not receiving, and that that's what triggers this this punch down back to you know a, a lower lower vibration. You know, it's like what the hell, you know, I've given all this and, uh, what am I, what do I have to show for it? You yeah. And I
0: think to compare to shamanism, since, you know, that podcast has already come out, um, at level four, we're giving of ourselves.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So there is an expectation of reciprocity of some kind on some right. level, maybe not directly from the person to whom you're giving, Right. But somehow you're expecting, I'm filling everyone else's bucket. Someone's going to fill my bucket at some. Right. there's right. There's still expectation at level four. Right. Whereas level five, we start to move out of expectation. By the time of level six, it's kind of like, well, I don't necessarily need anything from anyone. We're all just right. kind of players in the same game and we're just kind of making it go. Uh, so if you, again, you give, you give, you don't, you don't. I think level five kind of starts that. Um, From a shamanistic perspective, by the time you're at level six, um, you'd say something like you're connected to source, right? right? That'd be a very shamanistic thing to say, especially in a Mesoamerican tradition. Mm -hmm. Uh, So you don't need to, you don't need anything from anyone. If you're upset, you accept that I'm disconnected from, from source in this moment. And if I reconnect, like I might still be upset, but I'll be less upset and I don't need someone else to fill my bucket to make me feel better because I can fill my own, Um, which is not. A sustained state by any human that I'm aware of ever in the history of ever. Just to be clear, like all of these levels can be happening literally simultaneously. simultaneously. Yeah, and um, you know, people have different kind of defaults or places that they're kind of base level how they how they kind of write it out. Like if they were to check in with themselves ten times a day randomly, they'd be most likely to be at level X, and then when this, something bumps into them and that's negative, they're quote negative, they interpret as negative, they're most likely to bump down to a level Y. We have kind of defaults that we operate from. Like I was saying that I used to default to a level one when I would get um, bumped. Sure. I would interpret it negatively and I'd, I'd go to a level one. And then as I was coming through my depression, I realized that that was because I was suppressing anger because I was a very intense child and still continue to be an intense adult it's just mediated in a very different way Um, so i'm not experiencing my passion at all times um, and i'm also not cramming it down so if it's there it's there if it's not it's not cool and i just keep rolling whereas as a child i would get angry easily um you know bullied and all those sorts of things uh thankfully not ever like beaten up physically bullied but just kind of emotionally bullied because i was smaller uh and so i had Learned the lesson that I was meant to kind of suppress my anger. Even when I was taught how not to suppress my anger, I was still controlling it or thinking it was bad or wrong to be angry. And coming out of my depression, I thought, oh, wow, no, anger is fantastic. You just need it's just another emotion. It's just how we react to that anger that's important so now instead of having like an impotent rage when i would get to a certain level of angry it's like no anger is a is a emotion of action so what action am i being inspired to take right now that'll be helpful to me and those around me as opposed to destructive to me or those around me and it was just a again, yeah. reinterpretation
1: yeah but well I, think, I mean really you can you know in that sense you know you can look at look at anger as uh, either catalyst or fuel you know, that, that it, you know, and it's interesting in the scheme of things in the IPEC world about, you know, how, you know, uh, level one is, you know, the basement, you know, it's the sewer, it's the, you know, I, I'm, I'm playing volleyball with cockroaches today and uh, mm-hmm. level two is like, hey, this, this is pissing me off and I got to do something. Um, yeah, and I think one of the you know, one of the great lessons I learned there in, in in my training and you know amongst all of you, if if you're listening out there, everybody, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> is that um, you know y- 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 you know you can use that 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 anger. It don't have you know emotions emotion. It's just one you know it's another chemical reaction, if you will. And you right. can use that to your gain. And it is a thing that might, you know, just if you get angry enough to, to, to get you out. But, you know, a lot of times, you know, in depression, you know, you turn that anger back in on yourself. So you keep going in this one and two cycle and you, you, it perpetuates, self-perpetuates. And sometimes it's really hard to get out. Um,
0: right. And I think it's important, again, to do a check-in, like a non-judgmental check-in or a check-in of non-judgment removing removing some judgment from the conversation because it's so easy to make level one and level two sound bad. But the fact is, and this is great too when you read something like Kelly McGonagall's books and you, uh, like the willpower instinct and realizing that, and uh, the upside of stress actually is probably more uh, apropos to this topic, that Level one can be an incredibly positive space if it means that you are accepting, well, if, I don't mean to make this conditional, but here is a condition in which it is true. One might in level one bond with loved ones who are now able in a position because the person is essentially allowing themselves to be in a state of a lack of control, accepting the emotional experience they're having and accepting help, love, care, and concern. Mm-hmm. Whereas if they were trying to force a level three, for example, right. they wouldn't be able to have that full experience of connection and bonding that they would have if they allowed themselves to be in that level one, what some people think of as weak or right. you know, uh, overly vulnerable. That would be a position of level one. That would be fantastic for your long term health, well being, et cetera, et cetera. Living completely in any one level. Is a unrealistic and b potentially unhealthy for the downsides that we described. So yeah, I imagine if someone's in a, a constant loop between levels one and two, they're probably not enjoying their life very much. And and that's and that's fine. Not everyone has to enjoy their lives. Right. We have this bias where you're always supposed to be happy, which right. is also bullshit. Um, right. But I would imagine they might want different for themselves. Right. They might because exploring level three can be this huge revelation. You're like, oh my gosh, I mean, I can win sometimes, right? Like that level, the difference between level one and level three is like exponential. Oh, yeah, you know, and and, and so as we kind of move through these experiences in our lives, again, going back to transitions, how. We choose to be, whether consciously or unconsciously, what level that we're using as our lens to interpret our experience. You know, this goes back to the you brought up earlier. My question of is there such thing as a good transition? Right. Like our transitions neutral. Are there some transitions that are inherently negative? Do we interpret negativity? I'm just very curious about that because I don't, I don't believe there's necessarily a clear answer. But
1: no, I think that um, I think that the 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 impetus, the event horizon, if you will, to put it back in the liminal terms, there, yeah, oftentimes is a negative. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a crisis. It's that you know, uh, you know, an event. You know, a death, whatever that that kind of you know that we look at as a negative thing. That's the kind of thing that you know, if if you're conscious and I, there's a lot of people that you know there's a lot of people that are not conscious and they you know oh you know my my dad died you know I got to go to work uh, it, there's not there's no introspection there's no there's no reflection there's no consciousness associated with it but you know a lot of, a lot of these transitions are are um, brought on by some horrific event in your life that, that it just, you have to pay attention to. And it's like, okay, so now this has happened. Uh, obviously there's there's something majorly different in my life from this point forward, what, what do I do with it, okay? Right. Um, but, you know, but looking at it in a positive sense, you know hey i'm choosing to do this with my life and that's a transition too i'm doing this you know my decision to go to you know to go to coaching uh, school was yeah. a positive thing i mean i i can't i can't even underestimate the the, the gain i got from mm-hmm. that in, in my ability to look at things in a different way look at myself in a different way realize what i'm doing these you know, self-hacking things to use your expression to myself and, you know, enable myself to kind of move out of that, that mode a little quickly. So a little more quickly.
0: Yeah. And especially in that program, that was a very clearly designed to be a self-transformational process. And that's, that's part of why I liked our, our, you know, our training, our program so much the experience um, area, yeah, that's but, great. you know, that way, you know, how much better of a coach are you when you've gone through a transformational experience yourself? It's not just about technique with books, full of techniques. I have them in a box near me somewhere in this mess. <laughs> um, and I, cause I just saw them the other day and I went, Oh yeah, I don't know if I was going to how I'm going to put those on the shelf or not. But anyway, um, you know, this there's books full of techniques and it's fun to every once in a while flip it open and see what's going on. Um, mm-hmm. But at the same time, if it's coming from our core, if it's core transformational, then that's mm-hmm. critically important. So it's interesting listening to you talk about those specific transitions is those are ones under which we have no control, in which we have no, quote, no control. We have control on how we respond to it, right. but something that happened externally. And to go back to my conversation with Bridget, uh, Murphy, again, if people haven't heard, that's the defining shamanism series of conversations it's, it was essentially about removing esotericism. This is another, I think, example of where using some of the framework of shamanism becomes very valuable. And that's this idea of the path of learning versus the path of growth.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So just for really quick definitions, the path of learning is one under which we are constantly uh, reactive. We have things occur and then we respond to them after they've occurred. Mm-hmm. And we may grow a lot. We may learn a lot in that process, but we are always to some degree passive. We're to some degree receivers um, as our baseline. We're
1: affected.
0: Correct. Affected, I think, is a fantastic way to put it. The path of growth has a more conscious component. So it's I am now seeking, consciously seeking experiences that will transform my life. Uh, So we are less affected and we are more affecting. And
1: proactive. Proactive.
0: Proactive, precisely. And of course, we still are not in control of the results of our actions Mm
1: -hmm.
0: in totality, Mm -hmm. right? But we have greater control over the results of our actions insofar as we are consciously engaging in our situation. So here, I think, is also a natural distinction between, quote, negative transition and, quote, positive transition. Right. Is when we are taking conscious risk, which, frankly, sometimes feels ten trillion times scarier than passive risk.
1: <laughs> well, I, I'm very risk-averse. I mean, I think that's, the, and that's something I wrestle with all the time. You know, and, you, and, you, and I know on our, 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 you know, our little agenda here, we're going to go into that a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, that's that's something that you know plagues me and and it befuddles me, and it really mm-hmm. does because it's like, what the hell are you so afraid of? You know, you're still here, you're still breathing, you can still laugh, you can still laugh at yourself, which is the greatest gift, one of the greatest gifts in the world is to be able to just look at yourself and go, you dumb fuck, and just have a great laugh, you know, right. and, and, and move on.
0: Yeah. Right. And it's so interesting because that's, of course, I'm kind of looking at all the things that we were hoping to talk about, which I'm already suspecting that we're going to need to do at least one follow-up conversation to this. Regardless of, regardless of how long this uh, this yeah. recording goes, um, this series of episodes goes, um, I suspect we're going to need uh, a couple more if we really want to get into all of this. Um, yeah. So I'm not expecting that we necessarily will. Um, but this, ag- again, to go back to We, we started this conversation actually discussing self-talk, interestingly enough. Right. And I think that's so much of this like dusting off going kind of idea, starts with whether or not we have a growth mindset or a fixed mindset throwing in more terms here, which I know I've talked about before, but I don't know if people who are listening right now have kind of listened to those, all those episodes. There is one I believe I may have explicitly titled that. Mm. Um,
1: growth? Ungrowth?
0: Growth Mindset versus Fixed Mindset, which is okay. simply the, the idea that, you know, we have fixed mindset when we think that we're doing all that we can do and therefore the world is happening to us and the thing that isn't working is dumb and unrelated to us. And we have growth I did, mindset. I
1: did my best. I did right. My best. You right. Know?
0: In growth mindset is when we don't expect to win or a fixed mindset, you expect to win. Right. And then when it doesn't work out, it really sucks mm-hmm. in growth mindset. You don't expect to win. You expect to try. Right. And so there is less resistance. There is less fear. It's not saying there's no fear. There's less fear though, because there isn't the requirement of winning when entering a situation. So right. a lot of that fear isn't present because so much of the fear comes from whether or not we'll win. If we win, what does that mean and what we will have to do? And if we lose, what does that mean and what we'll have to do? It's very fixed mindset. Growth mindset is kind of like, well, something's going to happen. And I'm looking forward to seeing what happens, which is, again, why the path of growth fits so well with this idea of growth mindset. Well, here's, here's a thought
1: that just popped in so
0: in the in that in that framework uh,
1: um it's like you expect an outcome right you don't know what the outcome's gonna be, but there's gonna be an outcome there yeah and it's like okay, well once that outcome is there, then you've got a whole new you've got a whole new universe to play in you know and it's 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 and it's uh, i mean i think that's how I live my life actually i think that I just kind of, you know, I, although I say I'm risk averse, I do some risky things and I do some, you know, abnormal things, if you will. Hmm. But, but and it's just like, oh, well, this is what happened. Okay, so now, now deal with it,
0: and let let's see what happens, right? Right. So right. those are the best moments, I think. Whenever yeah. we, you and I have a a personal conversation, it it always seems to center around how exciting it is to not be normal. <laughs>
1: And I'm glad you're here for that because, you know, that, that I think one of our last conversations you said that to me, and I was just like, that's been buoying me. That's been buoying me for since then, you know. And it's Good. it's like, uh, you know, and I get I get frustrated sometimes because I look, you know, at. Um, i don't know i don't know if you call them peers but you know uh, people that have acquaintances or whatever the people i interact with in the world and it's like i i see everybody trying to reach some kind of normalcy some kind of uh, stasis point point. and it's like to me it's like jesus that's boring man. let's yeah. let's, you know, let's throw the dice come on let's 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 be i mean i have a friend i played back in with right mm-hmm and he's the very, very safe wall builder. He, he, Every move he makes is intended to protect himself. Protect, protect, protect. And I'll, I'll bump him and I'll do crazy stuff. He goes, I can't believe he did that. He goes, that's one of your typical moves. And I don't know how you, how you can do that. <laughs> it's just a game. I don't care if I win or lose the game. I don't measure myself by the fact that I... I beat you six times in back end you know, in a row. Right. I, it's just a game. I want to see what happens. I want to see if I can make something different happen here.
0: Yeah, It's so funny as someone who has been the one responding like your friend. Mm-hmm. And I think, why was I responding that way? Mm-hmm. It's again, because of these kind of social contract right. type rules where I think you're supposed to be helping me win. Right. Right. Which is funny when you're in this kind of quote adversarial unquote relationship as the nature of a right. competitive game. Right. That somehow I'm supposed to be behaving in a way, accordance with this set of standards that aren't in the rules. Right. You know, uh, and that I am quote supposed to unquote be, or that I should be, there's that word should, um, mm-hmm. I should be She's giving you the best possible chance to win. <laughs> Right, and so I'm not going to do that quote underhanded move right. tactic, or I'm not going to do the thing, or whatever else. Um, which is why sometimes watching MMA is so instructive mm-hmm. about the nature of how we can operate within rules but still be looking to smash each other's faces in. But that's a whole other separate <coughs> conversation about why I um, am so into MMA and understanding the humanity that is present. Mm-hmm. Um, in MMA, it's not just brutality, but that's a whole other, um, whole other conversation. So just to kind of touch back in on this idea of self-talk and being in transition is, I think it's again, easy for us to point to what we consider a weakness in ourselves. Right. Um, which can often lead to a lot of negative self-talk. And I think what's so critical to making a transition as positive as possible is having self-compassion, right? which again is a process of releasing judgment of ourselves, which then releases a lot of judgment over the circumstance and gives us opportunities to either not change, which of course... As we know, when you accept yourself for who you are, you naturally change. <laughs> but that's again another conversation. But it allows you to, I think, it allows us to play off our strengths as well as just to develop a, a greater resilience to, to your comment earlier. Yeah. Um, to, to develop greater capacity because we're not exhausting ourselves trying to correct ourselves. We can instead apply that energy to making conscious choices in the situation. I know. What do you think about that?
1: Well, I, yeah, I'm I've been thinking about all this. It's like I really hate when I um when I I I s I second second guess myself all the time. Because look, I've got a I've got a broad I've got a broad educational base. I have a broad knowledge of the world. I think you know I have a, you know, a degree in international business, a master's degree in international business. I've lived overseas. I yeah. speak languages, all that good stuff. And it's like, I mean, I, I'm amazed at myself that I watch things that, uh, occur in the world. It's like I, I've predicted these things. I can, I can anticipate these things going to happen. And then yeah when it turned around and I put it on the on the micro scale and I and I apply it to myself it's like what the hell why don't you know why are you doubting what you're feeling here and what you're thinking here when you know that 9 times out of 10 you know what what the, the result is going to be there? and it's like and then I I just always, I get to that that one time out of 10 just that's the trip you know that's the right that's the stump in the, in the path that, that, that just knocks me down. And, and then I, I, I gotta take time and gather myself and, and, and get back up and get back on the path to get them, of, of myself, the path of
0: myself. Next time on educate for life with Ryan Francis. I just had the wackiest analogy pop into my head. And I feel like I need to broadcast this everywhere. Okay. okay. So, so go on it's this on high, This is on the
1: highlight reel. This will be yeah, on the highlight There high you go. There you go. Hey,
0: <laughs> Chloe, clip this one. So, um, all right. So quantum mechanics. Right. What we understand about quantum mechanics is that there's a lot that we can't measure. Right. So when we try to measure it, it looks like chaos. Mm-hmm. In fact, it looks like multiple things are happening simultaneously. Mm-hmm. That somehow, that chaos produces order. We understand orbits. Right. We, under, we can predict gravity. We can predict um, airflow and resistance and friction. We can predict all of these things on the macro, even though the micro is apparently just nonsense. There is so much going on. We try to record it, and we just can't. This is a limit to our instruments is a limit to our understanding. We're, We're very close to it and yet cannot genuinely perceive it. Here's what I think about predicting global politics versus how I'm going to respond to seeing my aunt who I haven't seen in years as a random example. Hey again, thanks for listening. If you want more goodness, come hang out with me on Instagram at educate4 life. That's educate, the number four, underscore life. I jump on almost every day and go live once per week to answer questions and just talk about what's on my mind. We've got some cool stuff coming down the pipe, so expect some announcements in the near future. And with that, I hope you have a great week. Talk with you soon.